And welcome to Catholics Coast to Coast. I'm your host, Ace McKay, where each and every week we get to sample a little bit of what's happening in the podcast world at Podcast Central at EWTNRadio.net. Remember to stream us, follow, subscribe, like, that way you don't miss future or previous episodes. But this week we're going to jump into our walk with God as Catholic influencers is tackling the topics of tattoos and veganism. What does that say about our faith? What does that say about us inside and out as we go into the summer? And we'll jumpstart this week's Catholics Coast to Coast. FIG Ministry presents the Catholic Influencers Podcast. Join me, Alyssa Aegis, and my co-hosts, Father Rob Gallia and Justine Cumbo, as we break open the upcoming Sunday Mass readings and discuss relevant topics and life issues from a Catholic perspective. For a shorter, more reflective explanation of the Gospels, be sure to check out our sister podcast, Catholic Influences, Father of Gallia Homilies. The Catholic Influencers podcast crew have broken down countless stories and boldly ventured into an array of different topics, all the while capturing our hearts in the process. Let's recap. Hey everyone, welcome to the recap mini-series here inside of the Catholic Influencers Podcast. My name is Augie. I'm very happy to have just joined the FRG ministry team, and I'm going to be your host as we look back at some of the highlight moments that the Catholic Influencers Podcast has given us over the past few years. I'm hoping to sift through and just find little golden nuggets that may have been missed or maybe deserve a replay uh, over these past nine seasons, and hopefully it speaks to whatever you or someone you know is going through right now, and it can be helpful for your current situation. For this week's episode, we're going to look at a few taboo topics. Our first episode was Death to Ego, second episode, Family Vocation, Motivation. This week... We're going to look at a few taboo topics our team have discussed on earlier episodes of the Catholic Influencers Podcast. We got the Holy Scripture. We have the Catechism. And yet, there are so many questions that remain left unanswered when it comes to current social practices and figuring out if they're right or wrong. These are the type of issues where there may be some blurred lines. It's not necessarily black or white, and it takes a little digging and searching in the heart to see if it pleases or displeases God. Should everyone do it? Should nobody do it? Is it good? Is it bad? Some might say it's sort of a case-by-case basis kind of ordeal, but you know, other people may have really strong opinions about these certain things, and they may, they may very well have a good reason for that. And, uh, you know, what's more taboo than Christianity and the stance on tattoos? Is it good? Is it bad? It can be easily misconstrued. So let's take a look back at a bonus episode that was released right before Season 6 titled Tattoos and the Church. And let's see what we find out. Hope you enjoy. But uh, the only time the church teaches us things, particularly within the catechism and the teachings of the church, and uh, is if there is something objectively immoral or some you do the right things for the wrong reasons, where something that uh, we have immoral motives to to talk about, um, to to do something. Yeah. So, like, the church doesn't have a teaching on tattoos, mm. and even in the catechism of the Catholic Church, like, there's no in the index, there's nothing on tattoos. Like, no. you look under T, and there's nothing. 
but there is in paragraph 364, it talks about like the temples, the human body being a temple. And it says the human body shares in the dignity of the image of God. And then a little bit further down in the same paragraph, it goes on to say, for this reason, man or woman may not despise his bodily life. Rather, he's obliged to regard his body as good and to hold it in honor since God has created it and will raise it up on the last day. Mm. So the body is objectively good and we should honor the body in everything we do. In fact, that quote is in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, but it is quoted from Gaudium et Spes, um, a, a, a Vatican Council II document. So the question that you see that we need to is, is we need to honor our bodies and regard our bodies as good. They are intrinsically good. Okay, so uh, whether our bodies look good, look bad, feel good, feel bad, our bodies are still good because they are created by God and they're created good. So the question when doing things like tattoos or even piercings is not whether this is morally right or morally wrong, because we won't have an answer there. But the question we need to ask is, am I honoring my body as a God-given good if I get this tattoo or I I get this piercing? So uh, we need to understand, understand that we need to honor the body in everything we do, everything we eat, every piercing, every tattoo, always to honor the God-given body that we have. There's nothing anti-Christian about tattoos, but still, there are certain things, and I'm going to just say maybe five things that we need to be careful of when uh, doing a tattoo. First of all, safety. Look after your body. Don't take any needless risk to your body. Watch your health. Make sure that the standards of the tattoo parlor are up to standard and that you're going to be looked after and that there's no reused needles and so on and so forth. And um, get medical help if there's any infection or anything that comes out of that. The second thing is consider how others perceive this. If you're going to get um, piercings or uh, tattoos on your neck or the, uh, and you're going to work with elderly people in the hospital, just consider the reaction. Consider how it might affect people. Not that we need to be um, controlled by what others think of us, but let's be considerate. The third thing is art. Make sure it's good art. And I know art is um, subjective, what is good and what is not, but think of it as as temple art versus defacing it with graffiti, okay? Um, And honor your body and don't vandalize it. Decorate it, don't desecrate it. The fourth thing thing is think forever that this is going to last forever don't take something that's fashionable for a while you know i'm um, like the pineapples my goodness those were fashionable for uh, for a for a while and everyone got pineapples and uh, th- that that happened for for a while maybe it will remain fashionable but just think twice think three times before that happens they got pineapple tattoos or they just bought the fruit no they got pineapple tattoos what that's so why? Well, it was a very big a phase, a phase. When, oh. but maybe it's still fashionable. Maybe it still will be in 40 years' time. I don't know. A, a cool tattoo I have is what my keyboardist, um, he, he got a, a pair of socks tattooed onto his, onto his feet. That's a small <laughs> pair of socks. Does that mean That's he really have cool. To wear socks? <laughs> no, no, they're tiny on his ankle. <laughs> but I thought it was cool. Anyway. Um, so I, if, when you think it is forever, just think, for example, if you, you print three or four t shirts and wear that same t shirt with the, the design of your tattoo, wear that same t-shirt for six months. See if you get sick of the design. Obviously, watch those t-shirts in between. Please. Because you will uh, you seriously get sick of those, yeah. that design. And uh, so will society. And the rest of everyone. Hate your tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
And then the fifth thing is, is your motives. Is your motive for vanity or um, because you don't feel good about a particular part of your body so you want to cover that or um, that you think that this tattoo is going to make you happy? Just watch your motives. Do it for the right reasons. So if you get a tattoo, get something that will inspire you and remind you of what is most important in your lives. And the greatest importance is that we honor God and we remember that God is the center of everything and this draws us closer to God. Thank you for seeking the Lord with us today. Hey everyone, welcome back to the recap mini-series here inside of the Catholic Influencers podcast. I hope you enjoyed that little highlight clip talking about tattoos and piercings. It was a bonus episode. It dropped in between season five and season six. The uh, episode is titled Tattoos and the Church. If you're really interested by this topic, I definitely encourage you to go listen to the whole thing. I wasn't able to fit it into the highlights, but Father Rob had a really awesome interview uh, with uh, a guy named Phil Webb. He's a pastor of ACC Church out in South Sydney, and he actually got a doctorate on Christians and tattoos, believe it or not. And uh, yeah, it was it was really cool. He, I guess when he was getting his master's, he uh, just decided to study what is this taboo popular craze of, specifically in the Protestant circles he was looking at, you know, why are so many Christians getting tattoos nowadays? And so he just kind of looked and interviewed and saw what's the heart behind it and and uh yeah just tried to understand it so um i think it's yeah definitely something that that was really cool to listen to and uh if you're interested by that topic definitely go check it out i myself do not have tattoos i've gone back and forth on this so many times i constantly feel the pressure because i am a hip hop artist a rapper and so i just feel that little pressure of like man Maybe I should get some tattoos so I look cool, but I just can't figure out what I want on my body for the rest of my life. It is, it's a really big, it's a big decision, and, uh, and so yeah, I, I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. This next topic is also not clearly defined in the catechism. People who support it can be seen as dabbling in activism, and those who don't receive a little backlash and criticism. We are going to recap Season 6, Episode 1, titled Catholics and Veganism. Should all Catholics be vegan? I don't know. I really hope not, but maybe I'm just being selfish. So let's see what we can learn as we look back and listen. I think this is a, a really interesting conversation, so I hope you enjoy it. An interesting one. Catholics and veganism. Are you a vegan? I am not a vegan. I have dabbled in vegetarianism, <laughs> but um, <laughs> okay. didn't didn't last. But um, I'm not a vegan. Okay, um, I've never been a vegan or a vegetarian. So, um, but I I do know a lot of people who are. Like one of my staff members is is a vegan, and he took me to a vegan restaurant. Yeah, I enjoyed it's actually that. delicious. It is very good. No, I, I'm I've had several vegan meals and goodness if i had the patience to do it and i had if it was easier i would con- certainly consider being a vegetarian or a vegan so mm. so what is the church tell, tell us a little bit about what you found out as we're preparing f- for this well um what I, I i kind of already knew but sort of rediscovered is that pe- people are vegan for many varied different reasons um some do it to alleviate 
animal suffering, which is a really good cause. Others do it because they want to pursue healthier lifestyle and still others are you know real fans and advocates for sustainability to you know reduce greenhouse gases and all of those things are really really good things um but it still leaves the question father rob Mm -hmm. like should catholics be vegan or should it be kind of mandated or strongly encouraged for catholics to be vegan okay well let's think about it this way first of all it it is um it's an amoral issue it's not Amoral means that it is not good necessarily or intrinsically good or intrinsically bad. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's it's a matter at the end of the day, it's a matter of conscience, so your informed conscience where it leads you to conscience of, of sustain, st- sustainability, looking after the environment, but also what your conscience says about your health in body, mind and soul. Mm-hmm. So it's important to, to know that. But we also know at the same time the question I have is like, Jesus, we know that Jesus ate fish. You know, yeah. when he rose from the dead, he ate fish with his disciples. It says clearly that he ate fish. We know that he um, he multiplied the fish. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He didn't say, hey, oh, wait, hold on, remove those two fish and then I'll perform my miracle. Mm-hmm. No, so he multiplied the fish and the loaves. So he endorsed in a sense, at least um, pescatarianism or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, he multiplied that. He also w- went the idea of fish as well. When Jesus, when they were fishing, Peter, he says, throw the, um, this was James, actually, James and John. He says, throw the net on the other side. And then they caught a lot of fish. And then at the end of, at the, um, after the resurrection, the same thing, throw the net on the other side yeah. and they caught a lot of fish. So he sort of endorsed eating fish, or, but he didn't uh, certainly didn't force anyone to eat fish. But mm. And there's a question as well that um, whether he ate lamb as well, because many Catholics, um, the Catholics, Jews, <laughs> Jews ate lamb during the Passover feast. There's no scriptural evidence that he did eat lamb. So some people argue, actually, he didn't. Mm. We don't know. We don't know. But he, there's no words to say that he um, had anything against that. But I think this we need to know that... Um, it, it isn't a matter of a moral issue, but we need to have a well-formed conscience when yes. making this decision. Yeah. Let's go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. This is um, 2417 and 2418 if you want to look it up. So this is what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says. It says, it is legitimate to use animals for food and clothing, but it is contrary to human dignity to cause animals to suffer or die needlessly okay mm. we, so there are many questions we need to ask here and we need to talk about yeah. here because it's not black and white mm. i think it's about it, it where the the moral issue becomes is is the lack of sustainability for example having all these animals and cows and producing all these gases and having these animals killed um, needlessly, yes. meat being thrown away and, and also being tortured. Yes. So this certainly, certainly is not God's will. God, yes. God doesn't want us to harm the animals, to treat animals with a lack of dignity, to store animals in a, in a pen where they cannot breathe, they cannot eat. That's where it becomes selfish. Yes, 100%. And even just bringing it closer to home for me, because even just sort of researching this challenged me, um, because I know that I can be quite wasteful as well just because, you know, you can rock up to the we have Woolworths or Coles, our local grocery store, and there's a super abundance of meat and you don't have to even think about where it's come from. You just grab a packet and pop it in your shopping and it doesn't really breed a culture or a mentality or a consciousness of 
thinking about your food, thinking about what you're eating and where it's coming from and um, whether you are being wasteful or, um, I suppose, greedy in, in your consumption. I know I eat yes. meat almost every day. It's like yeah. our culture, <laughs> Maltese without meat is like, I don't know if you guys have watched My Big Fat Greek Wedding, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, when the mum is like to the vegetarian partner, you don't eat no meat, like, <laughs> then I make lamb. You know, it's just not in there way of thinking so you know do i have to eat meat every day no i don't i don't and i think i've gone down this rabbit hole of just doing it without thinking about yes. it and i think that is at the the beginning of of really needing to challenge myself in my yes. own thinking and my own consumption so it's about yeah not wasting it's also about looking after your body making sure you have the right diet but also at the same time looking out for nature. God has given us the authority to look after nature and not to take advantage of it. Well, I hope you enjoyed this recap episode here in the Catholic Influencers podcast. Man, it was really hard to figure out which ones to play. Uh, Honorable Mentions is uh, Season 7, Episode 2, Can I Take a Selfie?, Really wanted to to find some, a, a little highlight of that one, but there's another one that kind of goes with this taboo topic theme. And then I also was very interested in getting my tinfoil hat on and my conspiracy theory brain and uh, chopping up some clips from season six, episode 17, End Times. Dun, dun, dun. So you can go check out those episodes as well if you enjoy these kind of fun topics and you need a break from... I don't know, really serious stuff. Uh, you know, I, I like how Father Rob constantly, you know, was saying this is a amoral issue. You know, this is not, this is not something that's, um, you know, super super bad stuff. Um, you know, I mean, it could be. They, there, there. Are, I'm sure there's cases where some of this stuff is bad. And I, I don't know. What my takeaway is at the end of the day, your body is a temple, and uh, you know, we have to um, make sure that we don't take god's gift to us our you know our bodies our neighbors and uh and this world and everything that lives in it for granted you know and, and just treat it with with care and so that i think is definitely what i am taking away from this episode uh if you enjoyed it i really hope that you you share it around thank you for jumping in and listening to this recap mini series here at the catholic influencers podcast you know, if there's someone who you think that, you know, uh, may may find this type of content fun and might bring them a little bit closer to Jesus and to the church, then share it with them. Why not? You know, um, make it uh, make it make it a talking point around around a, a meal or a coffee. And uh, we are on TikTok now, so you can find us at Catholic Influencers, and you can head to our website, CatholicInfluencersPodcast.com to get information on all of our social media and everything that we're up to. If you want to learn about the Mass, you want to learn more about the faith, I encourage you to go to EncounterCourses.com slash subscription, and you can find some really helpful online courses there, and we're going to continue to update and add as we go. So watch that space. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless, and I'll see you in the Eucharist.
Great insights on tattoos and veganism thanks to the Catholic influencers. Make sure you subscribe, follow, and like so you don't miss future episodes. Or if you want to catch up on the entire episode that you heard today, make sure you check that out at Podcast Central at EWTNRadio.net. I'm Ace McCain. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, Dare Great Things helping us in the midst of celebrating our saints this week. And what does it mean in our culture? What value does our faith have in the public sphere? When surprisingly, our Virgin Mary helps us to learn how to lead, and we can learn to lead like Mary as we get into Dare Great Things coming up on Catholics Coast to Coast. The destination for great Catholic audio programming is EWTN Podcast Central, featuring the best of EWTN radio, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free. If it's central to the faith, you can find it on EWTN Podcast Central. It's like podcast heaven. Visit EWTN.com slash radio slash podcasts today. Dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Our culture today is at a turning point in many ways. In general, we are deciding whether or not to allow our Christian faith to continue to inform and direct our cultural decisions. It seems very tempting to go the route of secularism, a neutrality with respect to faith, at least in public, in order to let religion be a purely private affair. But is this the way for Christian leaders? What value does our faith have in the public sphere? Surprisingly, the life of the Virgin Mary can help us find the way. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm glad to be back with you. We're taking another look here more deeply this time at the life of the Virgin Mary as a leader and as the, an example of leadership. Now, we all know, of course, that our Lord is the example of leader, the king of all leadership. And yet, just like you can understand the beauty of light, sometimes by holding up a prism, right, that dissects that light into special, you know, colors and makes all of it, you know, everything that's contained in the brilliance of light uh, able to be seen and appreciated in all of its different parts. Well, in the same way that the beauty of Christ is manifested by the life of his followers. And when we look at different followers, we can see, you know, written in the letters of their lives, well, the beautiful handwriting of the Lord. And the message that God wants to make known in Jesus spelled out through the lives of the saints. This is what's just so neat about it. You know, getting close to people who know Jesus always helps us to know him better. Therefore, especially if you get to know the Virgin Mary and you get to listen to her life and watch what she did, well, you can learn about Jesus in a whole special way. And if that's true about Jesus in general, then it's also true about the leadership that he gives the world. So let's look at how the Virgin Mary led. 
It's a beautiful study. We've gone through her life and the different lessons that we can gain from looking at the different stages in her life so far from, you know, the cross to Cana to the miracles to the birth of Jesus to the Magnificat to the Annunciation, looking at how this woman so extraordinarily influenced the world, even from a position that seems rather small from in terms of a social influence or social standing. She was just a mother. She was just an aunt, right? She was just a cousin. She was just a spouse. She never graduated from rabbinical school. She didn't start her own business. And, but it shows us like all of us who have influence and are running our businesses or are leading in a, in a professional sphere, sometimes we can think a little bit too haughtily of ourselves. We can say, well, since I have these positions, I am a great leader. I'm like, no, <laughs> that's the whole thing. We'd like for you to be a great leader in those positions, but it's two different things. One is to earn a position and the other is to, to demonstrate leadership. It's not the same thing. And the bigger company that you work for, the more those two can be divorced. And the more that a company simply focuses in on the bottom line and on profit margins, which are, of course, fine things to focus in on. But if that becomes, the, to the degree that that becomes the exclusive focus, your workplace culture will be open to toxicity and threat. The consistent treatment of workers with dignity will be threatened and corruption becomes a real workplace possibility. This is why it's so important for us to rediscover the necessity for leadership studied and appreciated and developed independently of power positions, right? And this is maybe what's so challenging about the life of the Virgin Mary, precisely because she didn't have a power position in terms of society or the economic sphere. We, we, we tend to discount her leadership saying, well, there's no way for her to lead, but that only demonstrates our ignorance. In fact, Mary led more than anyone else save Christ because of the intensity of her character and the ethical position that she took, which was free from the influences of the society around her. I mean, if anyone was free and gave herself freely in, this, in the pursuit of Christ, it was the Virgin Mary. She stood underneath his cross, right? Even while he was crucified and treated as a blasphemer, Mary allowed what he suffered to redound into her own heart, and she didn't run from it. Why? Because she was demonstrating to the world where her decision lay and who, the one whom she would follow. And then you could ask, well, who was it that she influenced? I would say she influenced everyone around her, most notably St. John the Apostle. Most notably, Mary Magdalene. No, most notably, Simon Peter and the church. And we see this because on the morning of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was sent to the apostles, we find them gathered in prayer with Mary in the upper room. Now, a little context here helps us understand what had happened. Jesus died. He rose from the dead. He appeared to the apostles over the course of 40 days. And then 40 days after the resurrection, he ascended into heaven. And before going into heaven, he told his apostles who were with him, go into Jerusalem and pray for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then he was taken up from them and went up and to be glorified and seated at the right hand of God in heaven. And so the apostles did just that. They went back to Jerusalem and there they prayed for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Well, how long did they pray? Well, 40 days after Easter equals a Thursday. Easter being a Sunday equals a Thursday, Ascension Thursday. And then from Ascension Thursday until Pentecost Sunday is how many days? Nine, 
right? That's where we get the Latin word novena from. To do nine days of prayer for a special intention is in small form an imitation of what the apostles did as they spent nine days in prayer waiting for the coming of the promised spirit upon them. And where were they in prayer and with whom were they in prayer? They were in prayer in the upper room, which is the same room where Jesus celebrated the last, uh, last supper with the apostles. So a very special place for them where they received ordination of the priesthood. They received the blessed sacrament and the Eucharist and his body and his blood. This is where they were gathered in prayer. And who were they with? They were with Mary teaching them how to pray. Now, again, if you look at uh, the, the source of power, all of these apostles went all over the world. They shed their blood for Christ. But why? Because they'd received the Holy Spirit. Now, why had they received the Holy Spirit? Because they were gathered in prayer. With whom? With Mary. Meaning that in, in, a, in a very real sense, Mary's prayer and Mary's example of dedication to prayer in the Holy Spirit is at the source of all of the apostolic work of the church. All of the ministry that these men would do in the name of Christ flowed from this moment where together with Mary, the silent, prayerful woman, they received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The church begins by passively receiving the power of God and then ends by actively distributing that same Holy Spirit in power even to the ends of the earth. And yet at its very beginning, it's there in that reception with Mary. And this is where again the, the power of Mary's faith and her hope and her love is extended. You want to say what the influence of Mary is? It's bringing all 12 apostles into a unified prayer for nine days, thirsting for the Holy Spirit of God. That's an incredible influence. It's just not visible, not seen. Well, how many people today are changing our world from the inside in an invisible, unseen way? And just because they're unappreciated doesn't mean they're without value. This is the incredible working of God to change the world by hidden instruments. People, you know, who, are, who can do nothing more than pray and yet who stand strong in that conviction of their prayer and of their faith, unbending. I think many of them are much more inspirational than many of you, frankly. <laughs> you know, I mean, I appreciate all that you do and everything, but all of us know that doing things, in a sense, is easier than being faithful in every fiber of our being, no matter what. We can even hide sometimes behind our good works. What if God took away all those good works? Where would you be? What's your relationship with him look like? That's where Our Lady shines for us. Everything that she was, the deep parts of her being was given to God. And that means that everywhere she was, she bent towards God. She, she, she catalyzed towards God. Mary was the most influential of people because she was the most steadfast and solid in allowing the faith to penetrate every aspect of her person so that wherever she was, she was leading. And wherever her leadership was, the influence was the most profound. And that's given to us in glimpse here as we see her praying with the 12 apostles who would bring the church to the farthest corners of the world. 
Well, when it seems very tempting to go the route of secularism, we're finding out this week more from Dare, great things on how we can truly change our culture and also increase our faith. So if you want to hear the full podcast, make sure you check out Podcast Central at EWTNRadio.net. And we have a little extra time this week as we get a little Indiana Jones-style adventure hey with this Alex week's here, Saints Alive, telling some of the Saints story Alive. of Sir Ignatius of Loyola on this Thank week's you. Catholics Coast to Coast. On the fence, we want you to know that in order to continue to create these episodes, we need your help. We have so much in store for this apostolate. And if each of our listeners gave as little as $5 a month, we would be fully funded. Visit saintsalivepodcast.com slash donate today and check out some of the fun perks that go along with patronage. When you donate to Saints Alive, you are supporting a small Catholic business with a big vision. You're funding the development of two new series this year. And most of all, you're helping to transform our culture by igniting the church with the lives of the saints. Join us today at saintsalivepodcast.com slash donate. Welcome to Saints Alive, where we take you with us to meet God's most heroic followers. The saints were just ordinary boys and girls who allowed God's love to transform them into real-life superheroes. Their love for God changed our world. Did you know that God has sent you here to become a saint? It's up to you to choose love over fear, to be courageous, faithful, and kind. The choice to become a saint won't be easy, but it will be worth it. So listen closely and open your hearts. These real-life tales of the saints from the past may just inspire you how to live your story. Let's go on this adventure together. This episode is brought to you by Catholic Textbook Project. Catholic education is primarily a transference of culture, and there is no culture with as much joy or hope as the Catholic culture. At Catholic Textbook Project, our goal is to help educators in homes or schools transmit that culture through engaging narrative format history textbooks that tell the full story of history. Our team launched Catholic Textbook Project to create textbooks that proceed from the insight that mankind and history have been transformed irrevocably by Christ and His Church, and to help you share that story. Visit catholictextbookproject.com saints to learn more. For more information, check out the link in the show notes for this episode. Catholic Family Crate and Saints Alive have teamed up to create an interactive listening experience with a collection of saint coloring pages. These pages are hand-illustrated, free, and you can download and print them from any computer. Color along by listening to Saints Alive by downloading these coloring sheets at catholicfamilycrate.com slash saintsalive. Again, that link is catholicfamilycrate.com slash saintsalive. St. Ignatius of Loyola was born in the year 1491 in the Basque country of northeastern Spain. Originally named Inigo, he was the youngest of 13 children. Though his family was Catholic by name, they did not care to practice their faith. Because of their lackadaisical approach to following God, Inigo grew up with one thing on his mind 
personal glory. He aspired to become the greatest knight Spain had ever witnessed, and he dressed the part. He was a smooth talker, <laughs> an impressive dancer, and a viciously talented swordsman. <laughs> Our story today begins in the spring of 1521. A large French army has invaded the fortress town of Pamplona, Spain. The handsome and rugged soldier, Inigo, rallies his dwindling band of soldiers. There are too many of them! And too few of us! Turn back, soldiers! Turn back! No! Hold your ground! Hold your ground! I said, hold your ground, soldier! This is a dying cause! The only dying cause I see is a country full of men who fail to fight for her well-being. Sons of Spain, listen. This is the moment legends are made. This is the moment that destiny herself has fashioned for you. This is her divine calling. After this day, she either curls her sweet lips and smiles upon you forever, or she pesters you into nothingness all your days. Turn back now, and you leave your soul on this field. You shall writhe and squirm the remainder of your meaningless days, dying to return to this moment. Men! You can either die now, or die a coward later. Should you fight and die now, Spain shall remember you as a hero forever. And should you fight and live, well then, you etch yourself into the books of immortality. Act as if everything depended on you. Trust as if everything depended on destiny. For the greater glory of Spain! single-handedly carried the small group of Spanish soldiers deeper into French territory. He held his ground until a cannonball blasted into his leg, shattering it and sending Inigo into a state of stupor. He collapsed onto his back. The Spanish sun dimmed from his vision. The French soldiers trotted up to his body, flailing in the field. They could have seized him, or worse. However, they were so impressed by the valiant fighting of Inigo that they picked him up and carried him off the battlefield. They mercifully returned him to his family castle of Loyola.
Iñigo. 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 Where? Where am I? Ah, there he is. Welcome back, good sir. You are back in Loyola. Loyola? Yes. No. Yes. And rather lucky to be alive, if I may say so. I... I can't get up. Uh, ah. uh, no, no, no. Sir, you must rest. Water. Can I get some water? Will you fetch him some water? Yes, yes. Of course. Is there, um, is there anything else I can get for you, sir? A book. Thank you. Yes, sir. Oh, uh, find me something with chivalry and romance. Something of the noble variety. I will do my best, sir. Inigo, it is with terrible sadness that I give you this news. You. Oh, well, I guess I will just say it. Inigo, you may never walk again. What? No, no! I'm going to be Spain's greatest knight! I am sorry, but I just don't see that as a possibility. A knight relishes the impossible. Your leg, Inigo. It it required a good amount of salvaging. Ah, leave me with that filth. I am sorry, Inigo. It's truly a miracle that you even survived. You should still be on that field. I said leave! Yes, sir. I will be back to check on you. Ah. Sir? May I come in? Quickly! These are the only books I could find, sir. I, I do apologize. Inigo looked at his bedside table. Two books lay stacked upon one another. A book about the lives of the saints and the life of Christ by Ludolf of Saxony, a Cartesian monk. He picked up the book of the saints and looked at the cover. Ah, this must be a joke. Who would ever read this? time passed, Inigo's leg grew back in a distorted position. The bone protruded in a way. So much as to be something ugly. It is utterly despicable, Doctor. Yes, I see. Well, what would you have us do? Fix it! Promptly! Inigo, that would mean re-breaking it. Do you- Yes, I realize! But Spain's greatest knight cannot look like a gargoyle. It's horrifying. Do what you must. If you insist. Nurse, gather a few more men. A few more? We're going to need to hold him down. The nurse gathered a few men to hold Inigo down. The doctor stuffed a sock in Inigo's mouth. One. Two. 
The doctor rebroke Inigo's leg and repositioned the bone to grow less distorted. As Inigo lay bedridden, his boredom began to swell. He passed the time daydreaming about the day he would become a great knight. But one evening, he looked over to his bedside table. He thought for a moment, and then picked up the book about the lives of the saints. He turned to page 12. Why not? Hmm. Saint Catherine of Siena. What makes Saint Catherine worthy enough to be in a book? Let's see here. Saint Catherine was a powerful mystic and became one of the four women doctors of the church. Catherine was born in Siena, Italy in the year How am I to achieve greatness when death is at my door? Start being brave about everything. Drive out darkness and spread light. Don't look at your weakness. Realize instead that in Christ crucified, you can do everything. You have made yourself perfectly clear. But you simply don't understand the duties I carry as the Holy Father. Respectfully, Pope Gregory, you're wrong. God created you for a reason. All of us were created for a specific purpose. Be who God made you to be and you will set the world on fire. Suppose that was rather impressive. How about page 49? St. Francis of Assisi. Hmm. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Assisi. Assisi. Okay, Francis. What makes you so special? St. Francis was preaching the truth of Christ, and they couldn't help but listen. Remember that when you leave this earth, you can take with you nothing that you have received, only what you have given. He's a madman. You know who that is, don't you? What? Uh, no, I, I don't, but I must say, he looks so familiar. Everyone knows him. He's the Bernadone boy. He gave away everything and lives in utter poverty, preaching about Jesus like a madman. And, what's worse, he's dragged other men along with him. You were created for Christ, to serve his people and lay down your life for him. We have been called to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. the people who need you most. Release every single prisoner in this jail who is only here because they are a Christian. Set them free. But the Lord brought me to Ireland for a reason. And the people there need to know the love of God. I've been entrusted with this mission by the Lord. God, please save us and the city of Assisi. Yes? I have been calling your name, sir. I do apologize. These tales are unexpectedly riveting. Have you ever read this? I cannot say that I have. Well, you must. 
Yes, I shall. I, I brought you more water, sir. Oh, uh, right. Yes, thank you. Inigo scoured through the two books given to him, and in doing so, found himself admiring the saints more and more. Because of this, he found himself falling more and more in love with Jesus. This is the beautiful thing about the saints. They make us want to be like Jesus. Inigo continued spending most of his days daydreaming about knighthood, but something peculiar started to happen. He found himself daydreaming about sainthood. Please, sir, take my coat. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, and more importantly, clothe yourself with the love of Christ. Yes, yes, I will, sir. Thank you. You must be a holy man. Bah, these are kind words. But I am just a servant, that is all. Just a servant of Christ. While they were at supper, he took the bread, said the blessing, broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body, which will be given up for you. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been... Well, it has been a few decades since my last confession. Wonderful that you have returned. There is no war like that between good and evil. Today, Christ will win that war for you. Fear not, and tell me your sins, so that he may obliterate them into nothingness. Inigo lay there in the castle, daydreaming about his life as a priest. He noticed a sense of peace after these types of daydreams, peace that would last throughout the day. As he dreamt about the priesthood and living a saintly life, he still entertained daydreams about becoming... The greatest knight in all the land, Sir Inigo. Well, that ends today. <laughs> Bring me nothing but your best. Prepare the way, Spain, prepare the way. Here comes our hero, Sir Inigo of Loyola. King Charles, my good friend. Sir Inigo, what would Spain ever do without you? I am duly indebted to you, good sir. <laughs> well... My, oh my. <laughs> he is friends with the king, and just look how dashingly handsome he is. Oh my! <laughs> he blinked at you! <laughs> he blinked at me? Oh my gosh, he blinked at me! <laughs> Fear not. As Inigo dreamt about becoming a knight, he noticed an excitement immediately afterwards, just as when he daydreamed about a life dedicated to Christ. However, 
That excitement slowly faded throughout the day, leaving him to feel empty and restless. It wasn't long before he noticed that the Lord was speaking through these movements in his heart. As he pondered life after his legs healing, it grew clear that one route would lead to peace and the other would lead to sadness. When he was able to finally walk again, he knew what he had to do. I am going to Jerusalem. I must kiss the earth where our Lord has walked. Well, Inigo, your leg. Ah, it is good enough. If I limp, I limp, so be it. To conquer himself is the greatest victory that man can gain. And just like that, he set out. With a leg that was still not quite right, he mounted his horse, left his father's castle, and passed through Spain's romantic deserts and plains. St. Ignatius was an incredible soldier whose life was transformed after reading about the saints that have gone before him. After listening to Saints Alive, do you have a favorite story or a favorite saint? This week, we invite you to turn to the saints and ask for their intercession. They are there for you, whether that's in helping you grow in virtue or overcoming a bad habit. They are walking beside you and calling you to a life of holiness. If you want to learn more about the saints, make sure to check out our resources page on our website to find a list of our favorite books, movies, and podcasts about each saint we've done an episode on. And make sure to tune in to next Monday, July 24th, to hear the rest of the tale of St. Ignatius of Loyola. adventures of sir ignatius of loyola if you want to hear the full podcast of saints alive or any episodes you might have missed check us out podcast central at ewtnradio.net and we'll do it all again next weekend remember to let god define who you are i'm ace mckay thanks for being a part of catholics coast to coast the feast day of St. Lawrence of Brindisi, doctor of the church. Born in Naples in the mid-16th century, his baptismal name was Cesare, and he came from a family of merchants. But his father and mother, William and Elizabeth Russo, both died when he was still a boy. Cesare was raised by his uncle and then, at a very young age, attended St. Mark's College in Venice. He continued his education at the University of Padua, where he joined the Capuchins, taking the name Lawrence. A brilliant student, he had a special gift for languages and could speak at least seven of them fluently. This gift allowed Lawrence to study the Bible in its original text. Eventually, Lawrence became a papal emissary. On a trip to Spain to see the king, he became very ill and died in Lisbon. Canonized in 1881 by Pope Leo XIII, Lawrence was made a doctor of the church by Pope St. John the Twenty-Third in 1959. St. Lawrence of Brindisi, please pray for us.